Turn us on and the satisfaction's guaranteed. Frank Discussion with Passion on CJD 800. Welcome to the Friday edition of Passion, where pretty much anything goes. Uh, Tonight we'll talk about a little follow-up of uh, last night's show on mistresses, uh, reasons why affairs eventually fall apart. I found this article to be interesting and it matches, really goes well with what we talked about. We'll talk about social distancing pickup lines for fun, uh, women who are sharing the most surprising things they didn't realize about penises, pretty funny, a dating site for anti-maskers, and some other studies that uh, I want to share, including um, studies on, uh, let's see, on about playing hard to get. This was actually uh, studied, the kinds of people most likely to play uh, hard to get and others. And whatever else you want to talk about at 514-800 to text in. But first... Time to check out our inbox. Your texts are always welcome. Connect with passion at 514-800. All right, you know, you can always uh, email me your questions to laurie at drlaurie.com. So let's start off with uh, this one. I should start off by saying that I'm 23 years old. I have an average build, more chunky, but not fat. I just recently started talking to this girl um, about a month ago, and we were always see each other every day. She goes to college and is younger and more sexually experienced than I am. She gets a lot of attention from other guys. She always doesn't think she's not beautiful, or she's, okay, that she doesn't think she's beautiful, and I always reassure her she is. We have fooled around a few times. We've only done oral, though. I've never orgasmed through it, and I don't think she has either, although she shakes and is very wet. Not only am I secretly self-conscious about being a virgin, but also being small. I'm four to five inches, but thick. During our last time, she found out I was a virgin and said I should think about if I really wanted to lose it to her. But my response meant nothing and nothing else happened. We finally started dating a couple of days ago. She said she doesn't want me to talk to other girls, which I haven't and I wouldn't. And I said same to her. We don't text much during the day because of her classes and my job. And I feel very lost because she's so hard to read. It's not Facebook official or anything. And she still calls me her friend to her roommates. I hope you can get back to me because I'm lost and I don't want to lose her because of my overthinking. So uh, maybe I can address a few of the points that uh, that you bring up, first of all. In regards to her orgasm, you say she shakes and is very wet. Well, I got to tell you, that is a sign that she's certainly very aroused and most likely has climaxed. The second point you bring up, is it normal, uh, well, you talk about the self-consciousness as a virgin, so I'm going to tell you that it's perfectly normal to be self-conscious as somebody new to uh, sexuality, especially when you're having sex with a more experienced person. It's okay. Everybody goes through that first time, right? And as for penis size, well, you got nothing to worry about. Five Between four and five inches certainly falls within the normal range. You are definitely uh, not small, so let's uh, put it there. And for uh, oftentimes the girth, the thickness, is more important even than the, uh, than the length. So it sounds like she wants an exclusive relationship with you since she doesn't want you to talk to other girls and for her the same. Um, 
I think the best approach to get what you want is a straightforward one. Like tell her that you want her to uh, be the first, if that's what you want, and that you are interested in a relationship with her as a boyfriend, uh, that you want to be, you want her to be your girlfriend. Um, ask her, ask her what she wants out of this uh, so-called friendship since she calls you uh, her friend. So the best way not to overthink is to get your answers directly rather than play a guessing game, which is exactly what you're doing. And guessing games can make you go nuts, like cause a lot of, uh, of anxiety. Okay, uh, I love to masturbate. I really get excited when there's a chance of being caught by a woman. When I'm completely naked, I like to leave the curtains open a little and I never lock the door. My stepmother caught me several times. Eight different motel maids walked in and saw me naked with a heart on. And just the other day, our male woman saw me with no clothes on. I'm working on my neighbor now. I would love it if she caught me. Am I sick? Have you run into this before? I actually orgasm harder when I masturbate right after a woman sees me than I do when I have sex with a woman. What do you think? What you're describing here, first of all, is the fetish of exhibitionism, which involves getting sexual gratification from the indecent exposure of one's genitals. Here's the problem. I don't, if you're getting aroused because of the surprise element, that's the illegal kind of exhibitionism. And the reason for that is you are not obtaining consent from these women that you expose yourself to, meaning they did not ask for this. And if there is no consent, it is a crime. Now, you've made these situations kind of seemingly like accidental, right? But my worry is that what you said, I'm working on my neighbor. If someone makes a complaint, you could be arrested for indecent exposure. Just please remember that. I don't know which part of the world you live in or we have listeners from all over, but in some places, you this could lead you to be on a sex offender's registry as well. Like you have to be really, really um, careful with this. The best way not to get into trouble is to keep this fetish as a fantasy only or you do it as a form of role play with a consenting partner. The issue of consent here is very important. Uh, text writes, and I've heard of people sending pictures of their genitals using airdrop while on the metro. Yes, exactly. And please, people, do if you have an iPhone, turn your go to your airdrop and write um click on the thing that says friends only because a lot of us have our airdrop open to anyone. And so, you know, somebody on the Metro, you don't even know where they, who they are, where they're sitting may send you a picture. It'll pop up on your screen and then you accept or not, but it's too late. You've seen the picture. 
It's a, like this new form of exhibitionism, basically. There aren't any laws for that, but uh, nonetheless, that's I think that's ha- going to happen soon, uh, laws for that, because people are sending uh, unsolicited uh, sexual imagery and uh, it can cause, it can shake somebody up. It can be um, traumatic. Bottom line, maybe you should talk to somebody. That's really the bottom line. A safe place to work out the kinks in any relationship. It's Passion with CGAD 800's Dr. Lori Batito. Pretty much anything goes tonight. Would love to get your thoughts on any of the stories we're sharing tonight. Now, last show, last evening, we talked about uh, infidelity and we focused on the other woman, on the mistress. And then today I was reading some articles and I found this one. Uh, six reasons why affairs eventually fall apart. So it's a great uh, continuation of uh, last night's show. But I just want to share a text that we got late last night. Uh, so glad I'm a lazy butt. I couldn't handle multiple relations and children. Right. To, to juggle more than one relationship, you're right. It is a complicated uh, affair, um, pun intended. Now, here's some statistics for you. If the person you're having an affair with does not leave their partner within six months of starting the affair, they won't. That's, that's, that's what the studies show. Another uh, statistic is most affairs last only um, between six months to 24 months. That's another stat. That doesn't mean that there aren't... Uh, I've known of one person having an affair that lasted 30 years, had a completely uh, double life. I've known others who have had like a literally a double life, like where had another family altogether. And this had been going on for years, all of which had been discovered at some point. The 30 year one got discovered only 30 years in. Imagine that. So why do um, affairs eventually uh, fall apart? Let's look at the the psychology behind the affairs that can uh, certainly increase the likelihood of it uh, ending. So the couple, the affairing couple, is united around shared misery and excitement. What often brings the affairing couple together is their shared unhappiness in their partners. So the beginning of a relationship, any relationship brings excitement, excitement of getting to know and feeling appreciated by a new person and sharing your story to someone who's really, really listening. Uh, the excitement of breaking out of your boxed in life of breaking the rules, the excitement of new flesh, the excitement of new, new sex. But guess what? All of this fades. The talk of misery gets old or just dies down. Um, The backstory is told. The flesh no longer knew. The relationship starts to settle. And of course, when it does, other aspects of each other's personality that you didn't notice before rise to the surface. And um, then you might realize that 
maybe you don't like this in this partner. Maybe it's it's another variation of what you didn't like in your uh, in your wife or a husband, for example. The second reason why affairs eventually fall apart is those involved in the affair really don't know each other. Um, it's the shared misery and the excitement that blind them to seeing each other more uh, completely. So the new person is less a real person and more an unperson, meaning the what seems to be the opposite of their partner. Uh, so where he was dramatic, this new person is steady. Where she was steady, this person is spontaneous and fun-loving. Where he was critical, this person is approving and gracious. So the new person may be like this, but these qualities are only and unnaturally amplified by their contrast to the partner. So really, the 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 person is reduced to like a one-dimensional kind of view of this person. Another reason is that at the beginning, in other words, in the dating phase, when you're having the affair, that's the dating phase because you're not living together because that person's already taken. Uh, everyone is on their best behavior. Behavior. You don't have the grind of daily routines, which creates stress and boredom and and other things, right? Um, problem is they really aren't getting to know each other in 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 the real world, with real problems, normal problems, normal things, right? Um, so, a lot of things may go also unresolved, which can lead to more explosive situations. A fourth reason is that oxytocin eventually drops. Oxytocin is the love hormone or the bonding hormone that brings people together. It ramps up the sex. It creates that falling in love feeling. But guess what? Research has shown, science has shown that the the oxytocin levels or the, the lust hormones at the beginning, wane after about nine months. Nine to 18 months is when you get that feeling of falling like out of love. Like you no, you no longer feel the I'm in that love stage. Uh, and that, that happens pretty much, you know, to everybody. Uh, and when this happens, generally sex drops off. The, the passion begins to fade, which is why you have to work on these things in long-term relationships. But this is going to derail an affair, right? That's initially built on uh, physical chemistry. Uh, Another reason is that messiness and misery eventually take over. It turns into a mess, especially if you're turning an affair into a more permanent relationship. It's a mess on many, many levels. There are children involved. There's money involved. There can be uh, legal actions uh, and then the resulting stress and guilt and depression. It's not a storybook thing. It's damn messy, very messy. And finally... The uh, one of the reasons uh, they that these affairs fall apart is that the same coping styles are still in place. So if you think about it at the most basic level, having an affair is a way to run, right? Cut and run, basically. Um, 
that's how that person copes with whatever issues are going on in their marriage. They're cutting and running. So this avoidance pattern, it doesn't just go away. It, it's still there. That coping style, that is part of their overall coping style. So what happens in conflictual situations? Like these don't change in the affair. When the going gets tough in the affair, they cut and run again. They'll move on to someone new, for example, and the cycle uh, continues. So the ending of affairs, bottom line, can leave behind some useful lessons that the individuals can choose to carry forward into their view of themselves and their partnered relationship. Maybe for some it's the ability to see themselves in a new light. Um, so this can be maybe, this can increase their self-esteem or, or what have you. Uh, it could maybe make them more assertive, decisive, help them move on, something. But they usually end, they usually end. And for some people like who are sitting on the fence about divorce, the affair offers a kind of a, a feeling that, or an experience that leaves them with the confidence that they could survive post-divorce. And sometimes it gives them the courage uh, to leave, but they generally don't leave or last with the person they had the affair with. The statistics for the survival of such relationships is like so, so low solo, like in the 90%. All right, let's talk a little bit about, um, I lo- just for fun, social din- distancing pickup lines. Actually, let me just share a few uh, texts about this uh, situation. I'm not one to judge, but a married person who took vows and then has an affair, and I don't mean a one-night stand, really needs to look at themselves closely, not only being unfaithful to his or her partner, but unfair to themselves. A truly honorable person would not even call an, or all an affair to get started, wouldn't let that affair get started. Uh, rule number one, once a cheater, always a cheater. Never trust the person who is cheating and don't be the cheatee. Mm. Uh, tons of energy to keep affairs under wraps. Yes, of course, it uh, requires quite a bit to uh, lie. And then you have to remember your lies. And this is why people get caught because consistencies are uh, not always there. And men have a much greater chance of being caught than women are. I don't know why, but I think women are better at hiding. But anyway, uh, social distancing pickup lines. Is that hand sanitizer in your pocket or are you just glad to be within six feet of me? (laughs) I saw you from across the bar. Stay there. If COVID-19 doesn't take you out, may I? Hey there, can I ship you a drink? Uh, Let's see. Uh, You're so hot, I jump in front of a sneeze for you. Uh, Hey, I got two-ply at my place. Baby, do you need toilet paper? Because I can be your Prince Charmin. Want to catch COVID the fun way? (laughs) Is your name coronavirus? Because you take my breath away. Okay, so I don't know who comes up with these, but it's pretty funny (laughs) nonetheless. Coming up, more fun stuff. Women sharing the most surprising things they didn't realize about penises. It's kind of funny to women's first initial reactions when they met their first 
penis. That's from the pleasure and the politics to the hangups and the heartbreak. You're listening to Passion, CJD 800. I love Fridays. Just a little bit of this and a little bit of that. Of course, I answer your questions throughout, and I got one question here. Uh, and maybe the Passion community can help out here as well. Hello, Dr. Lori. I'm turning 55 in a week today. Happy uh, birthday for then. I haven't had sex since 2004. Being an active alcoholic doesn't help the situation, but I am kind, friendly, and empathic to people. I work as a journalist and play guitar and sing for two hours every week at a community center for people with mental health issues. The women at work are completely comfortable with me, yet through protocol, dating is not possible. I don't go to bars and I spend most of my free time at home practicing guitar. I'm obviously a little lost on how to meet women. Of course, being quite shy further complicates things. Any suggestions? So a couple of things. Um, One red flag is that you talk about being an active uh, alcoholic. So that may be very difficult for someone to want to get into a relationship with someone who is um, an alcoholic. It can make you, first of all, it can have an effect on your sexuality. That's number one. So uh, there is a a link between erectile dysfunction and uh, alcoholism. It could make you not want to leave the house, for example, because you've had too much to drink. And so a partner may say, well, you don't want to do anything. And so that it may, there's no question it will impact the relationship. So maybe get help for that. Um, you can certainly work with a dating coach as well who can help you kind of navigate meeting women, what to say, how to approach all of that uh, and help you with that that level of shyness. There are many ways to meet people these days. There are actual dating sites now for people over 50. So if you wanted to to, to go into a, a, like a niche market, there's that. There's other... Uh, there's computer, um, like web-based um, places like Match.com, for example. There's apps on your phone like Tinder, Hinge, Bumble, um, whatever. I'm sure there's a whole bunch more. And then there's a lot of niche ones uh, elsewhere. So those are some of the things that you uh, can start looking at. But I would like I would recommend you start working with a coach. I think it might be helpful at least to figure out what the issues are, but I would say attack the problem first is the alcoholism because you you may find that that is going to impede you getting into a, uh, a relationship. So think about that for a bit. And if you want referrals, you can reach out to me to Lori at drlori.com and I'll be happy to send you a referral. As for the coach, I would recommend, um, the coach that used to work with us here, uh, Frank Kermit. He, he, you can find him at franktalks.com. Uh, another text. Uh, oh, this is another line. Uh, I will take one Corona, but hold the virus. Good one. Good one. I like that one. And not true. Men are better liars by far than women. Uh, problem is men lie so much, almost impossible not to get caught in a few. So, all right then. Uh, let's talk about this. Uh, women sharing the most surprising things they didn't realize about penises. So this was just like on Reddit or something like that where somebody posted uh, a question and asked women to respond. Like It said, women, what surprised you the most 
the first time you saw or played with a penis. So if anybody wants to uh, answer that, that would be fun too. So here's what some, some women said. Ball skin is constantly moving. Surreal. It's like a moving magic eye painting. Another one says, how squishy it is, flaccid. Uh, What struck me the most was that it's just there, dangling away all day, every day, just hanging out with its ball buddies. Like, how do you not sit on it? Is it not constantly annoying you? Is the satisfaction of unsticking it from your thighs worth the discomfort of it sticking in the first place? (laughs) Another one says, saw a grower, not a shower, and was super impressed by the size when erect compared to flaccid. I expected the penis, but I didn't expect the balls to be so there. I thought that was cute. Uh, The penis wasn't all one uniform color and was veiny. And don't even get me started on when I saw the balls. I remember thinking, why are they just hanging like that? (laughs) These are women uh, telling us, or telling whoever, uh, what surprised them the first time they saw or played with a penis. So I'd never seen even so much as a picture of a penis. I had only seen babies naked while like changing diapers. So I was absolutely shook by the size of the thing. It was like five times bigger than I expected. And I was freaked out. It reminded me of a dangling third leg. Uh, Not my proudest moment, but the first time I saw my boyfriend ejaculate, I giggled and said, volcano, and was way too happy. My ex-boyfriend was confused. Uh, And finally, not the penis, but testicles are alive, like two separate living entities in a soft skin bag. I could not believe how much they move around. And if you give them a little poke, they move even more. And then if it's cold, the skin underneath gets all thick and clumpy. They are extremely fun. I love that. Very, very um, cute. (laughs) All right. You've heard of all these anti-maskers out there. Oh, I'm sure you have. I'm not one of them. I wear my mask diligently. I hope you do too. But nonetheless, these times, it's been a bit strange. There are, uh, I would say, probably more, I hope, more conscientious people uh, who are mostly, I guess, abstaining from dating altogether, right? And others are, okay, chatting on, on Tinder or going on first dates via Zoom and maybe going out but socially distancing, etc., So one might assume that anti-maskers are just going about dating as normal, but that would disregard everything we've seen about anti-maskers during these unprecedented times. That is, we know perfectly well they aren't satisfied doing anything short of making a big show out of their refusal to, quote, live in fear or be a sheep or whatever ludicrous thing they're calling showing respect towards their fellow humans this week. So anti-maskers now have their very own dating site. Um, It's called Lockdown Skeptics. The forum was started by Toby Young, a conservative British commentator, 
um, who wrote a book called How to Lose Friends and Alienate People. But more recently, he has criticized the economic cost of preventing unnecessary deaths from COVID-19 and calling his own potential death, quote, acceptable collateral damage to prevent a dip in the economy. He wrote, he tweeted, we've introduced a dating forum so singles who feel the same about the virus can meet and not have to worry about deferring attitudes to social distancing. So he actually launched this um, in response to a letter he got from someone who wanted to get back on the dating scene but realized that a key criterion for meeting someone like-minded is that they absolutely must be a lockdown skeptic. If they are pro-mask or pro-antisocial distancing, they will be instantly uh, banned. So the person writes, I, I generally think that if I can find a girl as skeptical as me, she must therefore be marriage material. That's how important this issue has, has now become. I could never date let alone build a relationship with a lockdown zealot. Such is my disdain for these virtue-signaling bedwetters. That's what he says. So there you have it. Hmm. And lots of comments on that, which I can share uh, with you. Passion with Dr. Lori Batido on CJAD 800. Some responses to the dating site for anti-maskers. What's it called? Lovesick? Should have called it OK COVID. Imagine, imagine wanting to date strangers with a lax attitude towards infectious diseases. What is that anti-maskers dating site called? Dumb and Dumber the Reboot? They so deserve each other. Signed, a pro-masker. Good ones. Um, and a response from our 55 year old who just wrote in, thank you, Dr. Lori. I knew you would zero in on alcoholism as a make or break issue. And you are right. I've tried rehab six times and I just don't get whatever it is. Thank you for listening and keep on being you. So a couple of things, uh, first of all, it was like uh, mulling around in my head is that, um, the alcoholism is also a way to stay away from people like it could be like an unconscious barrier that you're putting between yourself and others so you may want to look at that I would also recommend to try uh, Chabad Lifeline C-H-A-B-A-D Lifeline they're a wonderful outpatient organization uh, that have an amazing success rate like hardly any waiting time and uh, a, a great community organization. They're right near the Jewish General Hospital. Of course, I think now they're probably still doing things on uh, on Zoom and such, but it might be a good time for you to reach out. So uh, Chabad Lifeline, C-H-A-B-A-D Lifeline in, uh, in Montreal. And a response to the first time you saw a penis, uh, the first boyfriend I had was uncircumcised, so it was super squishy, like a yellow tube toy from the Dollarama I used to play with. <laughs> uh, all right, and in some uh, crazy news, this was the headline. A Christian troll wants to sue a lesbian baker after she made an anti-gay cake he ordered. So listen to this, okay? So this troll, right-wing troll, ordered a cake with an anti-LGBTQ message from a lesbian baker, apparently hoping 
that she would refuse to make it so he could cry anti-Christian bigotry. But guess what? She made it and he refused to pick it up for days. She eventually had to throw it away and then the troll threatened to take her to court. So April Anderson runs the Good Cakes and Bakes Bakery in Detroit with her wife, Michelle. She has made a name for herself. She has baked for Oprah Winfrey. She's appeared on the Today Show. And she says she is not a stranger to bias. We are so used to being black lesbian women. You are used to people discriminating against you and saying mean things to you. On July 19th, Good Cakes and Bakes got an order for a red velvet cake. The customer had already paid for it online and requested a message for the cake. And here was the message. Homosexual acts are gravely evil, and in brackets, Catholic Catechism 2357. I am ordering this cake to celebrate and have pride in true Christian marriage, the customer wrote in with the order. So Anderson said, why would somebody order this from us? They know our bakery. It's not like it's a secret. It says it on our about page and social media page and very clear that this bakery is owned by two lesbian women. So Anderson and friends did some digging and found out it was David Gordon, a white man whose Twitter bio says he's copy editor at Church Militant, which is a far-right Christian website that opposes LGBTQ equality. He had already paid for the cake, so she made it. She did not write the message on top because she said the bakery's policy is that written messages cannot be submitted with online orders. Anyone who wants a written message has to call. So Gordon was scheduled to pick up the cake on July 25th. On the 24th, he called the bakery and she, Anderson, said the cake would be ready for the next day. She wrote a letter to go with it, just explaining what our bakery stands for, who we are. We don't stand for hate. We're all about peace and justice and inclusion. The next day, Gordon didn't even pick up the cake. Uh, The owner says, I think he was trolling us and he wanted me not to make the cake so that he would have an argument about us being discriminatory against him for not making a cake. I think it shocked him when he called Friday and we said, oh yeah, we're making the cake. She kept the cake around for a few more days but ended up throwing it out. On July 30th, five days after he was supposed to pick up the cake, Gordon called again asking about it. She told him he could order another, but if he wants a written message, he has to call instead of using the website. That was until Pride Source published a story about the incident on August 6th, including the part where she didn't write the message on the cake, which apparently made him want the cake again. On August 7th, he tweeted, Good Cakes and Bakes is discriminating against me for requesting a cake, virtually quoting the Catechism of the Catholic Church, Section 2357. No more anti-Catholic discrimination. See you in court. I was denied the services I requested at a place of public accommodation on the basis of the content of my beliefs, he told the Detroit Free Press. Imagine the umbrage if a homosexual couple arrived at their wedding reception to find a Christian baker had made them a straight cake. Of course, he didn't explain what a straight cake is. 
so we've talked about these uh, on the show uh, before, but these st- same stories, right? There have been some anti-LGBTQ bakers who have refused to bake or even sell cakes to same-sex couples, especially if they're going to be used as uh, wedding cakes. And these bakers have been fighting anti-discrimination laws, saying that they have a First Amendment right to refuse to sell cakes to same-sex couples. Uh, The best-known case involved Jack Phillips of Masterpiece Cake Shop, who refused to even discuss what kind of cake Charlie Craig and David Mullins wanted for their wedding, saying that his Christianity prevented him from selling a cake that would be used at a same-sex wedding. The Colorado Civil Rights Commission found that he discriminated against the couple in part because they didn't even discuss any details of the design of the cake. Phillips' free speech rights, the commission reasoned, only come into play if he had an objection to the product being ordered, not just the people who were buying the product. So, uh, of course, other cases... Uh, have uh, been through the courts for this very uh, same thing. So ridiculous. Like, come on, people, get a life. Can't we all just like each other and be at peace? And can we just stop all this hatred? It's just, oh, oh, is all I can think of. Oh. Um, I heard something similar, but reversed so i'm not sure what you what you mean did uh, did a gay gay baker refuse to bake a cake for a straight uh person i'm not sure ah and finally a 109 year old woman says that the secret to a long life is avoiding men Jessie Gallen is the oldest living woman in Scotland at 109, and she's got some advice for you. If you want to live a long and fulfilling life, eat your porridge and avoid men. Gallen said recently that her secret to a long life have been staying away from men. They're just more trouble than they're worth. Aside from that, she also gets lots of exercise and eats a nice warm bowl of porridge every morning. So she's pretty old, but she's not quite the oldest person in the world. That honor goes to Misao Okawa from Japan, who recently turned 116. Misao has been a widow for over 83 years. So maybe there is something in being single. Who the hell knows? Uh, Texter trolls are just really enabled these days because of a certain current president of the USA and his acolytes. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'd call him a troll too, tell you the truth. A gay baker refusing to make cake for a Catholic church function. That's the story you heard. I have not heard uh, that story. Not heard that. All right, that pretty much wraps it up for us. Thank you so much for spending your time with me. Always love having you around uh, thoroughly. Thank you to our technical producer tonight, Jimmy Garofalis. And thank you to our passion researcher, Linda DeLisi, as well. You can connect with me on social media at Dr. Lori Batito. You can go to my website, drlori.com. That's D-R-L-A-U-R-I-E.com. All the past podcasts are listed there. If you click on the Passion Radio uh, tab, you can also have access to a couple of my TEDx talks on, on sexuality and information about my book as well. 
Coming up next here on CJD, we bring you the CTV National News. Have a great rest of the weekend or a great rest of the evening and a fantastic weekend. And remember to live your life with passion. Make glass.